Thanks for joining us this week for the Church at Sturkey Hills podcast. Be sure to visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Amen. And so you guys made a dedication, I do, a few minutes ago that you would support these kids. So you can start that today if you haven't already by going by our preschool children and sign up to help. Number two, next week, next Sunday is Easter Extreme. Need a lot of help? You can show your dedication and your vow of commitment and your love for these children by signing up to help. Thank you so much for your commitment. Now, we're going to shift gears a little bit and move from the amazing book of James, and we're going to look into the Old Testament. There's a book called Deuteronomy written by Moses, part of the Pentateuch, the first five books inspired by the Holy Spirit. And in Deuteronomy, it's going to give us a, a heads up. Now, to get there, we've got to lay some groundwork. We have to talk a little bit about what, we're, uh, what it means to parent, to grandparent. And, and, and maybe you're here today and you say, well, I'm, I'm not a parent, really don't want to be. And uh, I'm not a grandparent, obviously. This message is for you. You see, you don't have to be a parent to parent. You don't have to be a grandparent to grandparent. If you're a follower of Jesus, you love people. And that includes the least of these. And that includes little boys and little girls. You're a role model, an example, an ambassador of the greatness of Jesus in anybody's life. And so you have a role to play. So this message does not exclude anybody. It's for all of us. And so I begin like this. A young preacher had his first baby dedication right out of seminary. And he wrote an amazing message. He called it the Ten Commandments for Raising Perfect Kids. And then during that next year, he had his first child. So he modified his message for the baby dedication. He called it 10 Hints for Parents. The second year that he was at the church, he had his second child. It came time for baby dedication. He modified his message again, and he called it Tentative Ideas for Struggling Parents. About 10 years went by. Both of his kids were in middle school, and he modified the message again, and he titled it 10 Easy Steps to Put Your Children Up for Adoption. Now, it's unfortunate, but true, we feel like that sometimes. I tell people when I get to visit at the hospital after a newborn is born, their first baby, I, I look at them, I say, you, you already love that baby, don't you? It's amazing. You have it, it, <laughs> he, she, you have them, and you love them. But you really don't get it. Time goes by, days, weeks, months, and a couple of years, and man, you never saw that coming. There's a love that develops in you and emerges from you that you never saw. And then when you have your second child, if you're like me, sometimes you're worried. I I don't know that I can love a second child because I've been smitten by the first one. And then you have your second child and the love doesn't divide, it multiplies. And you realize that's what God's love does. It just multiplies. And then I want to tell you, no matter who you are, Sometimes it's just difficult. It starts about two and continues to about 32. And so I'll just let you know, that's real. And sometimes though we feel like we're on an island to ourselves. We're the only one that has struggles. I remember I, was, I had a small group that I was leading and it was young married couples and they had small children. And we were talking about parenting and one of the guys raised his hands and he said, raised his hand and he said, yeah, I've got a question. I said, what? He goes, and he was distraught. He said, uh, my son just has turned rebellious, and all he wants to say is no. And I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, and how old is he? He said, he's two. 
I said, oh, wow. He's already doing that. I said, let me, let me just do a survey. Anybody else in here got a two-year-old and their favorite word is no? They all raised their hand. And I said, welcome to the real world. But you feel like in the moment you're all by yourself. You know, your child is doing things that the other people didn't do. That's not true. In fact, if you trace the gene pool, often you'll see where they got it because the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. They got it from you or they got it from their grandparents. And so we, we can learn how we can be great parents, examples, and grandparents to our children because we need to be. Because this world is broken. This world is fallen. This world is attacking our children. You see, this world is not your child's friend. This world is not your grandchild's friend. And this world is not your friend. From the time a baby lands on this planet, he's under the attack and the onslaught of enemy warfare. And, 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 and he just wakes up and you realize he's exposed to all this foolishness, all of this silliness and all of this lunacy that's being propagated everywhere from Hollywood to Washington, now to Disney World. That's the world we live in. So I don't believe it's ever been more important that we as parents, grandparents, extended family, and the church really dive in deep to help young families and to invest in children. And so the good news is, no matter what the attack looks like, and no matter what the victory for the moment may look like, in the end, you ready? Spoiler alert, we win. If you're a child of God, Adopted into God's forever family through Jesus, his son, and his finished work upon a cross and his resurrection. Read the book, We Win. Now, in the short term, it's difficult sometimes. But hold your head up. Because one day Jesus returns and he makes everything right again. And so that is where we find our strength in knowing that there's victory waiting. And in the moment, it may not look like victory. But you give the Lord time. He's a good God, and he'll make everything work out in the end. And so parenting is a difficult thing, but we do it by this book. And this book isn't an old book. This book is an eternal book. This book is a timeless book. You see, every truth, every word in this book is truth, and every truth in this book will never change, no matter how Politics change and culture change and, and, and society changes. No matter about the changes, this book will never change. And so I want to show you today that your hope is placed in Jesus and his word because Jesus is the living word. And so we're going to see that today and we're going to learn how we can do better at this challenge we have before us. Because the instructions for life won't be taught well on the playground they won't be taught well in the classroom. They won't be taught well on the ball field. They'll be taught by you as parents, we as grandparents, and we as a church who comes alongside those families to help. And so I want to challenge you to take it very, very seriously. We do take it seriously here at the church at Sturkey Hills. In fact, we moved into this worship center in April of 2021 but it wasn't the worship center that we were starving for as much as it was a place for little boys and girls. And so directly behind this stage is our children and preschool wing. And right now there's probably a hundred or more little boys and girls back there singing songs 
having fun together and getting biblical instruction. You, you see, we're committed because seven years ago here, there weren't hardly any children and there were no babies, but God saw fit to bless us and send them. And we as a church are going to do everything possible from the time, from the womb to the tomb, from the time they enter this world into the children's program, into the youth program, into the college program, we're committed to help them become mature, not adults, mature followers of Jesus. And so that's our goal. I don't hide from that. And every moment <clears throat> counts. And we all make mistakes, but God is gracious and he will cover and, and help us navigate through those mistakes that we make along the way. It's really kind of, of an amazing and ironic story the way God does things because he begins with a young couple and he gives them a baby and he says here's your baby go home and take good care go home and learn how to feed it learn how to burp it learn how to change its diaper many times learn how to teach it to walk teach it to talk teach it to to uh survive the wolves of this world to teach them how to stay uh, protected from the neighbor's dog. Teach them how to be afraid of every cat on the planet because cats are nuts. You get that responsibility. At the same time, God knows for most of you to change the tire on your car, you have to look it up on YouTube. Or to change the bag on your vacuum cleaner, you got to look it up on YouTube. And God says, you don't need YouTube. I've given you an instruction book for doing this task. And it's called the Infallible inerrant eternal word of the living God now that's what we're going to see today that he's told us everything we need to know and he wants you to know that you can do it I want to show you that God loves your children more than you love your children he created them he placed upon them a purpose and a plan their image bears ultimately of God that's his desire and so you should be optimistic about your children because he's optimistic about your children. Now, sometimes we display our optimism with bumper stickers. And, and I like bumper stickers because I find myself trying to figure out what they mean. Some of them we know. You roll up on a car and it says, coexist. You know who they voted for. <laughs> you, you pull up to a traffic light, you see bumper stickers. And I wonder what they mean. Just this week, because I knew I was preaching this message, I, I thought, I'm going to look for bumper stickers. So I saw this, and I always see this one in town. These are proud folks. The first one that I saw was, my child is an honor student at Halls High School. Okay? Well, that's good. Halls proud. Halls has everything. Okay? And so I keep looking, and I see this one for my second one. My son is an Eagle Scout. Okay, that's cool. That's an accomplishment. On the same bumper, though, he had a sticker, and it said, athlete, honor student. Now, it didn't say my son, my daughter. It just said, I, I don't know if he's thinking, I kind of wish he wasn't a Boy Scout. I wish he was an athlete honor student. Uh, does an athlete honor student, is that an oxymoron? Do they really exist? I, I don't know what he's saying by that. I, it, it's just a suggestion. I, I don't know. And so uh, the same day I was driving and I saw this one. I've seen this one a lot. It said Carson Newman mom. So I'm thinking about this one. Does, is this an old lady that went back to school? She's a mother. She's 60. I think I'm going to get a degree. Carson Newman, mom. Or is this maybe a young woman who went to college, sowed some wild oats, got pregnant. Now she's a student with a baby. She's a Carson Newman, mom. 
Or is this a mother who has a student at Carson Newman? It's probably the latter, but I don't know this. There's not enough information. And so bumper stickers say a lot. The next one I saw was a helmet with the number 12. I thought, is this suggesting they have a child who's 12 and that child better start wearing a helmet because the mother's getting ready to get the bat out? You know, probably not. Probably means they have a student who's number 12 on a team who wears that particular helmet. Sometimes they really have to reach a long way to be optimistic and proud. My favorite bumper sticker, my son goes to school. That's one step above my son is not in jail yet. You know what I'm saying? But we should be proud and we should look for reasons to be proud. Jesus loves the little children. Jesus is proud of your child even on their worst day. That's the greatness of God. He is love. He doesn't love us because we're lovable. He loves us because he is love. He is love. It's not that he loves people as a product of something else. His nature and his character is to love. Jesus loves the little children, and it's true. Listen to this in Mark chapter 9. Verse 42, Jesus said, and whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. That's pretty strong, pretty strong. He says in the next chapter, in Mark chapter 10, so to lay the groundwork, Jesus is teaching, you know, and, and, and everybody's flocking to Jesus. And you can read the New Testament, children love Jesus, families love Jesus. But the disciples thought Jesus was for the disciples, that Jesus had a bigger agenda. And so the parents are bringing their kids to Jesus, their babies, and the disciples intervene in this story. Here's how it plays out. And they, the parents, brought young children, now the Greek word means infants, babies, to Jesus that he should touch them. And as disciples rebuked those that brought them, but when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased. The, the, the word is indignant or angry at the disciples. And, they, and he said unto the disciples, suffer or permit the little children to come unto me and forbid not them, uh, for of such is the kingdom of God. Jesus said, these kids that you're sending away, that's the stuff heaven is made of. Now, am I saying when we all go to heaven, we become an infant again? No, I'm saying Jesus saw the heart of the child. Jesus saw the faith, the childlike faith swelling up in them, even as babies, that this is a special person. This is no ordinary human being. And that's the way we should be in our relationship with Jesus. And so he took them in his arms. It says, oh, verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter heaven. Pretty strong stuff. Then he says, and he took them up in his arms and he put his hands upon them and he blessed them. The Greek word for blessed means he fervently prayed over them. He dedicated himself to those children and he dedicated those children to himself. Now, why was Jesus so adamant about caring for children? Why today can I stand here and tell you God is passionately in love and passionately committed to your family and your children? Why? Because at that point, 2,000 years ago, Jesus being God, Jesus being at creation's door, 
Jesus knowing all things, he had watched the, the, the everyday run-of-the-mill family, the everyday run-of-the-mill member of a family, and if he had to ascribe a word to it, it would be this, <laughs> dysfunctional. And he's been observing for the last 2,000 years even more of the same, dysfunctional. Now, what is dysfunctional? What does it mean to be dysfunctional? Well, by definition, a dysfunctional family is that which is not operating according to its original design. It is faulty, impaired, not working properly for optimal results. So let's do a survey. Anybody know a dysfunctional family? Just say maybe. <laughs> Anybody been a part of a dysfunctional family? Say maybe. Anybody sitting next to the picture of dysfunction? Don't say nothing and don't look. Just keep looking forward, okay? It's real and it's everywhere. Why? How can I say you have dysfunction in your life? How can the preacher at Stirk Hills look at anybody in here as you leave today or sitting right here and say, you have dysfunction in your life? How do I know that? Because dysfunction is a product of sin. You see, sin means to miss the target, like a, an, an archer shoots an arrow, to miss the target. That's what sin is. And dysfunction means to miss the target or the optimal results. And where did we get this? It's in your gene pool. You got it from your mama and your daddy, and your kids got it from you. I'll say it again. The apple never falls far from the tree. But where did it come from? Let's just do a little, a little search. You see, Adam and Eve are the first ones on the planet, dysfunctional. How dysfunctional? They choked. They ruined it for all of us, okay? And not long after that, they have children. And their son, Cain, murdered their son, Abel. Dysfunctional. Noah then, a few years later, after the flood, he got drunk and one of his sons acted perversely toward him. Dysfunctional. Abraham comes along, has a nephew, Lot, Lot offered his virgin daughters to the perverts of Sodom, dysfunction. Lot's daughters got Lot drunk and slept with him and got pregnant, dysfunction. Abraham slept with his servant and had a baby who fathered the nation of Islam, dysfunction. Abraham and Sarah showed favoritism to their children. Abraham's twin grandsons were fighting while yet in the womb, dysfunction. Jacob and his mother Rebecca tricked blind old Isaac into giving the birthright, the blessing, to Esau. Dinah, who was Jacob and Leah's daughter, was raped by Shechem. Dysfunction. Jacob had the men of Shechem circumcised, and on the third day after circumcision, while all the men were in pain, Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, went in and murdered all the men. Dysfunction. Jacob had 12 sons but favored Joseph dysfunction. Joseph's brothers hated Joseph so much they sold him, dysfunction. Judah had sex with his own daughter, dysfunction. David committed adultery with Bathsheba and murdered her husband, dysfunction. Dysfunction runs in our family. Dysfunction runs in your family. Dysfunction runs in your bloodstream. How do I know this? Because the Bible tells me in Romans 5, 12, it says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, this death came to all men because all sin. You see, dysfunction goes all the way back to Adam's family. 
And you know what that means at the end of the day? We're all part of the Adams family. Some of you old people know what that is. We're all part of the Adams family. We can run, but we can't hide. We have a Savior who escorts us out one day at a time in redemption. But we're all part of that same problem. So whether you look in the Old Testament or the New Testament, what you'll find is God is always giving us solid truth instructions to help us navigate the brokenness of this world. It's the beauty of the church. It's the beauty of a family committed to God. In the Old Testament, which is what we're going to look at today, there's a powerful thing called the Shema, the Shema. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's the most popular passage to be memorized if you're a Jew. In fact, it's the first thing you would learn or memorize if you were a, a child as a Jew. It's, it's quoted or recited twice a day. It's kind of like the Lord's Prayer of the New Testament. Just a popular passage that people learn, they memorize, and they say it over and over. The reason is it's jam-packed with solid instructional teaching for me and for you. If you're a parent, maybe a new parent, this will help you. If you're a seasoned parent, maybe a little bit further along, you got teenagers, it'll really help you. Maybe you are an adult and you have grandchildren, it'll help you with your grandchildren. Maybe you don't have any children or grandchildren. This will help you be the Christian, the God chaser that he designed you to be. So let's look at it and see. The first thing I want to see on the, show you on the back of your life guide is this. A protocol for parenting or for Christian living. A protocol for parenting or for Christian living. And, and the point number one under that would be this. Practice what God says forever. Here's what he says in verse 9 of Deuteronomy 6. He says, now these are the commandments, the statutes, and ordinances that, you're, that the Lord your God instructed me to teach you so that you may carry them out in the land where you are headed. Now, do you see what that is? That's a present tense moving into future tense. He's saying, you need to learn to practice these and then carry them out, live by them tomorrow and the next day. You've got to apply God's word to your life. And it doesn't change. Listen, no matter where you start, if you don't know the first scripture, maybe you know half of John 3, 16. Maybe you know Jesus and Jesus wept. Maybe that's all you got. I want to encourage you to get into the word of God and let the word of God get into you. And you begin to practice it because it will never change no matter what the world says about it, no matter how the enemy lies about it, no matter what psych your psychology uh, wants to, uh, to uh, say about it or to how it wants to interpret it, God's word is always true today and forever. Number two, you got to learn to prefer God's way over all others. Parents, this is critically important. Adults, all of us, this is critically important. He says in verse 2, that you may so revere the Lord your God that you will keep all his statutes and commandments that I am giving you. The key is so that you will so revere the Lord your God. The reason you prefer to do things God's way according to God's word and God's will is because you are smoked by the greatness of your God. When you understand the God of everything, the God who went stars, yeah, there they are. 
The God who said, animal kingdom, there it is. The God who every orchestrated everything. I, there's not enough color in that garden. Bam, flowers everywhere. Birds, I don't want you singing alike. I don't want you looking alike. The God who thought of that and designed that and, and manufactured that with a word. That God is madly in love with you. I want you to say, me? The ones who said it, yes. The rest, not so sure. Yeah, he's madly in love with you. And when you get that and you realize, I need to do what this book says because I got a good God. I didn't deserve salvation. I didn't deserve forgiveness. I deserve death, hell, and the grave. But because of his passionate love for me, he wrapped himself in humanity, came to this earth, and died a brutal death on a cross to pay my sin debt. I think... I'll do what he says. We so revere the Lord our God by keeping his statutes. Number three, under a protocol for parenting, is to pass it down for longevity. He says, I want you <clears throat> to live by them, and I want you to share it with your children and your grandchildren all your lives to prolong your days. Longevity. You want to live a life that's full and free and victorious as long as God would have for you. You apply his word to your life. You share it with your children and your grandchildren so their lives will be full and free. So longevity will be in your lineage. Then he goes on and he says, I want you to pay attention to the words and obey. Verse 3 says, pay attention Israel and be careful to do this so that it may go well with you. And that you may increase greatly in number as the Lord God of your ancestors said to you. You will have a land flowing with milk and honey. Pay attention and obey. Why? Because you'll be blessed for it. This is a commandment and a statute for our lives so we can live a blessed life. Now let me, let me explain what this means. There's a lot of baloney out there where people say, well, if you just live for the Lord every day, you're going to be wealthy and healthy and your middle schoolers are going to be perfect. None of that is true. None of that. The truth is, we live in a broken world. And because we live in a broken world, broken things happen in our life. We walk in brokenness. So what does he mean? He says, you know, if you'll, pay, if you'll read this, pay attention to this, and obey it, you're going to live it out in the land of milk and honey. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Sounds pretty blessed. I want you to understand, God is an eternal God. And God treats his children eternally. What I mean by that is this. When he says you're going to be blessed, we got to be careful not to look at the short-term view. We can't just look at today or tomorrow because sometimes my day and my tomorrow does not feel totally blessed. Anybody in here had a day lately? Just didn't feel like the blessings of God, the milk and honey, like it had flown over at the neighbor's house? Anybody had a day like that? Say, I got that. See, we're not alone. I want you to know they're not over. And if you didn't have one this week, we're going to pray for you. Yours might be tomorrow. As a believer, as a follower of God, we have hard days. We have loss. We have suffering. We have hurts and heartaches. We have difficulties. We have things come into our life that are not, are not pleasant. Well, but we're living for the Lord. I mean, pastor, I come to church every week. I read my Bible. I pray. I tell people about it. I'm really trying to dive into my faith, into the journey with Jesus, and do this thing well. But it seems like the deeper I go, the more difficult it becomes. 
God's not talking about this life. God says, you live for me. You obey it. I'm going to walk with you through the stuff. But we're headed someplace else. You see, sometimes we think this is, we forget, this is not our end destination. This is not, we haven't arrived yet. We're just taking steps toward our destination and our destiny. And God is saying, I'll walk with you through the hard times. But I'm leading you somewhere else. And when we get there, (laughs) the land of milk and honey. I want to encourage you. You, A lot of people raised your hand. You may have some hard stuff in your life right now. I want you to hear the preacher. The game isn't over. Your journey is not yet completed. Jesus is going to return. I pray it's today, but it may not be till tomorrow. I pray that Jesus returns soon because that's what the Bible instructs me to do. I pray that he returns soon, and when he returns, he's going to make everything right. He's going to fix every woe and every brokenness and every trouble for the children of God. He's going to rapture you out of this world and take you back to heaven. And we're going to hang out up there for about seven years while the great tribulation unfurls on this earth when all hell breaks loose. You turn on the news now, you think it's bad stuff in Ukraine. That's nothing. I'm not playing it down. I'm not, I'm, I, I don't mean anything negative by that. But compared to what happens when Jesus returns and evacuates his spirit and, and his believers from this planet, we're going back to heaven. And I believe that Bible teaches very clearly that we all return for a thousand years for a millennial reign on this earth. I was talking with a, a friend in the early service. He went to the Masters this week. I watched it on TV. It's about as close as I can get. About 12 feet is about as close as I can get to the... He brought me this right here. It's pretty cool. Ball marker, money clip, I guess. I, I don't know why he gave me the money clip. Maybe I'll put some bills in there. But he gave me this. And I told him, I said, I don't know. But when, when we come back for a thousand-year reign, I'd like to think that maybe I can go over to Augusta. No membership required, no lotto, just go, okay, and, and play. And, and I like to think when I get over there, it's going to be less than par, you know. I don't know what it's going to be like, but I want to tell you this much. When Jesus returns, he makes everything right. And although you may be hurting right now, he says, you live for me. I've got the land that flows with milk and honey with your name on it. That's good stuff. And that should encourage your hearts. So we have a protocol. Yeah, give the Lord a, a hand clap of praise for that. Absolutely. So we have a protocol to live by. Next, we have a priority for parenting and a priority for Christian living. And we got to get this because many of us haven't got this. And we need to get it. He says in verse 4 of Deuteronomy chapter 6, he says, Now listen, Israel. He says, the Lord is your God. The Lord is one. You must love the Lord your God with your whole mind, your whole being, and all your strength. Does that sound familiar? You see, in the New Testament, Jesus kind of doubled down on that. In the New Testament, the Pharisees were trying to trick Mr. Rabbi, special teacher Jesus, and they said, hey, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, "Uh, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is likened to it, love your neighbor as yourself. He says, if you do these two things, you can hang the whole law and all the prophets on it, and you'll please God. Nothing changes with God. You want to live a life that satisfies God and satisfies you? Get your priorities right. Put God on the top of the list. 
Live your life just like it says with your whole mind and your whole being and your whole strength committed. That's talking about your mind, your emotion, your heart, and your hands and feet. Live them for God and you will not be disappointed. Now, we have a protocol now. We have a priority. And thirdly, I want you to see we have a simple plan. This is what's amazing. I think it's amazing. You're much smarter than I am. I like this book. You know why? Because God didn't write it like an astrophysics book. He didn't write it like a calculus book. He didn't write it like a book for neurosurgery. He wrote it for me, and he wrote it for you. He, he wrote it so you could read it and so you could understand it and you could know him and more about yourself through it. And so now he's going to give us this plan for parenting and this plan for Christian living. This is how you get to where he wants you to be day by day, one moment at a time. Are you ready? He says first in verse 6, he says, you got to think about it. You got to think about it. Verse 6, he says, these words, this book, he says, I am commanding you today. They must be kept in your mind. You know what he's saying? You need to get God's word on that track, circling in your mind. Now, this is what I found out, found out about the circling information in my mind. The circle's much bigger. Used to, it'd come around a lot. There it is. And maybe on your circle, it's social media. Facebook, what's it saying now? How's it going to help me today and bless my life? Maybe it's my bills. I got to pay my bills. Maybe it's my, 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 my team. You know, maybe it's, oh, and that thing that you just, it just circles around and around and it just keeps coming back. That's what you're thinking about, okay? God says you need to put his word on that track. And the only way it'll ever get on that track is if you read it, you meditate over it, you pay attention when a, a, a sermon is preached, and you think about it. You think, how do I know the circle's getting bigger? Sometimes Kendra and I'll be having a conversation, and I'll start to tell her something, and it's up there. And it almost came out, but it missed my tongue, and it went around the circle again. And I, and I tell her, what's her name? What's her name? I don't know. I don't know. It's going around. Used to it come back around. There it is. Sometimes two hours goes by. She's not even, I have to text her, Steve. What? It just came, it'll, the plane landed, came back around on the circle, okay? God's saying, listen, you need to think about his word in your life. Then he goes on and he says this in verse 7, a challenge. He says, and you must teach them to your children. Now, this is what's beautiful. You can teach your children or you can teach your church children. You may not have any children. We have children here for you. You can teach. We have students in the youth department. You can teach. We have college students that somebody's children need somebody to teach them. You can teach your children or the children at your, in your church family. And, and, and I want to tell you, parents, we're here to help you. We're not here to do your job. You have an obligation and a responsibility. And men, first off, it lands on you. Now, you can shuck it to your wife. You can shuck it, but you don't relieve yourself of responsibility. This is on you. God holds the man responsible. It's just the system. Okay, it's just the way he set it up. Okay, doesn't mean the woman's less. It just means the ultimate responsibility lands on the man. And he says, you're supposed to teach it. So let me just encourage you. I, we, we, we didn't do everything great when we were growing up, when we were raising our kids. And my parents didn't do everything perfect either. 
But my parents did some good things, and we did some good things. And some of the sweetest times is Bible stories to our children. And let me just tell you, parents, grandparents, when you have an audience with your kids and your grandkids, teach them some Bible stories. Now, don't go over and start reading a book of Numbers or something like that. There's plenty of action-packed stuff. God is an action God, and his word is action-packed. And, and, and don't be boring. And David killed Goliath. Who cares now that you're telling me? Get excited because God is excited. That's why he put it in there. You have God's words and God's stories to teach them about this world and about the greatness of God and how we need God. Thirdly, we got to talk about it. He says, speak of them as you sit in your house. Speak of them. It's okay to talk about school. It's okay to talk about a report card. It's okay to talk about making your bed and cleaning up your room. It's okay to talk about the things in this world, who your friends are and who your teacher is and, and who your coach is. It's okay to talk about that. But you need to have the Word of God on the tip of your tongue at every turn to share what really, really matters. Talk about it. I remember when I was growing up, I told you I had a drug problem. They drug me to church all the time, me and my three brothers. And on Sundays, my mom would cook lunch every, week, every Sunday. We'd have a big lunch at my mom's house. And inevitably, we'd been in church every Sunday. That's what we did. And we would be eating, and my dad would say, boys, did y'all listen today? And you know what all of us said? Yeah. And he'd say, what did the preacher talk about? And we, was, we were always just hoping that one person paid attention. We didn't all need to have a synopsis of the whole thing, but we needed somebody to have a little hint of something. And if nobody had a hint, then he went around the room. Jeff, what did the preacher talk about? <laughs> the look of shame. Um, I, didn't, I didn't pay attention. Joel, I was with him. <laughs> Greg, I don't have nothing. And Kevin was the baby. It didn't matter. He didn't have to listen. So we, we, we were zero. We were 0 and 4, okay? Now, then he would tell us, and, and, if, and if he didn't like what the preacher preached on, he'd just tell us whatever he wanted us to know because we didn't know the difference. Now, here's what I'm saying in all that. Parents and grandparents, talk about Jesus, man, because he's good. He's a good subject. Talk about his miracles, feeding thousands with a borrowed sack lunch with a happy meal. Talk about the Old Testament champions. Talk about creation, how God whispered, just thought of it, and there it is. Talk about it because you... They need to be a, there needs to be a conversation because your goal, your end game is one day for there to be a conversation with your children or grandchildren about how that great God wants to come into this life. So we got to talk about it and then we have to take it with you. He says, I want you to speak of them as you sit in your house and, and when you walk along the road. I believe what this means is it's not just to the Jew, the Shabbat, Saturday, the Sabbath, and to the Christian who celebrates the resurrection by coming to church on Sunday. I believe he's saying, let your children know that God is still the God of your life on Monday as much as he was on Sunday. And when Tuesday comes and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, you're taking it with you along every day on your road of life. And then he goes on and he says, and then 
as you lie down. I'll call this when you turn in at night. I've had people say, yeah, I tried to read my Bible at night before I go to bed and I just fall asleep. Praise the Lord. What? There's no better way to go to sleep than saturate a mind saturated with the Word of God. Read that book till you go to sleep. If you wake up in the middle of the night, start reading it again till you go back to sleep. If you have small children, tell them a Bible story every night. Talk about it as you turn in at night. And then he says, and as you get up, today and tomorrow is just the same. Because God's word is just as true tomorrow as it is today. So take it into today just like we did yesterday. And then the last one is to take this book and tether it to your life. Tether it. He says in verse 8 and 9, you should tie them as a reminder on your forearm and fasten them as a symbol on your forehead. Inscribe them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. Tether your life to this book. Now, what does that even mean? The Jews had a thing called phylacteries. And a phylactery was a cube, a paper scroll that was folded into a cube and it had scripture on it. And so they would never forget to memorize it. They would never forget for it to be the centerpiece of their life. They would put it on a, a leather string and hang it from their forehead. Now, students, I'm not encouraging you to go to high school tomorrow, you know, with a cube hanging from your head. That's not necessary, okay? But if it wasn't on their head, they would tie, they would tie it around their wrist. That way it's always right there. Now, what God is saying through Moses is it needs to be right in front of everything you do and it needs to be the thing that keeps you tethered that keeps you grounded and connected to the God who loves you now I don't have any tattoos and I I don't have a problem with tattoos I see some tattoos that I wonder how much they drank before they got that tattoo I see tattoos that I wondered if they bought a do-it-yourself kit off of Amazon I've seen some tattoos that I thought that wasn't a good plan but I've seen some really nice artwork. I don't have any on me. But if I was going to get a tattoo, and parents, I'm not encouraging your children to get tattoos. I'm not saying that. But if I did, I see people from time to time, they'll have like Philippians 4.13. Or they'll have, they'll have Greek on there. I don't even know if they know what it means or not, but they have it on there. Okay? That's kind of what it's like to be tethered to it, to be hooked up and linked to something. Now, you look around this world, you can even look in your own mirrors sometimes. We get linked up to a lot of stuff, but we're not linked up to the Word of God. Moses, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, is saying, if you want to be a parent like God wants you to be a parent, if you want to be a grandparent like God wants you to be a grandparent, if you want to be a Christian who lives for God, you drive a stake in the ground and you tether yourself. You link yourself up to the infallible, inerrant, eternal, timeless Word of God. I want you to know today, dysfunction is real. We're going to leave today and we're still walking in dysfunctional shoes. But there's hope. Because one day at a time, we can defeat the dysfunction by living sold out and committed to the Lord God and his word of truth. The Bible says in Proverbs 22:6, to train up a child 
in the way he should go and when he's old he won't depart from it it basically says not to train them up to accomplish what you want for their life not to not to smash your dreams and goals into their life but to train them up in the bent in the direction that God has pre-wired them to be in to encourage them in the direction God has for them he says and when they're old they won't depart from it now this isn't a promise this is a proverb a promise is an emphatic truth that God says it will happen this is found in the book of Proverbs and a proverb is the a proverb is a a guideline for wisdom living He's saying, listen, you train your child up like I'm showing you how to train them according to this book. You do your part. Turn them over to me and watch me do my part on my timeline. I want you to bow your heads this morning and close your eyes. This service today although it's called baby dedication it's really just dedication and I want to challenge you right now to just consider whether or not the Holy Spirit is inviting you to rededicate yourself to him that maybe it's time that you dive in a little deeper that you walk a little straighter, that you live a little stronger, and that you share a little more passionately the greatness of God in this dark world. And maybe right now, in the privacy of your own seat, you could just say, God, help me be dedicated to you because I know you've been dedicated to me. You dedicated yourself by giving your son, Jesus, to me. Help me dedicate myself by giving my children and myself to you. And maybe you're here today and there's no way that you could rededicate your life to God because you've never dedicated your life to God. Maybe you're here today and you've been to church or you have some level of religion or understanding of God and His Scripture. But you've never yielded to his Holy Spirit's invitation for you to come into his family. You've never intentionally just placed yourself before God and say, God, I'm dysfunctional. I've missed the mark. I have sin in my life. But in this moment, even though I didn't come here for this, I feel like you're inviting me into your family. I feel like you want to forgive me to save me and to mark me with your Holy Spirit so right now I dedicate myself I give myself to you save me and help me live for you from this day through eternity Father we thank you for your instructions found in Deuteronomy your instructions found in Genesis through Revelation we thank you for your Holy Spirit who invites us into that and gives us clarity about things. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who gives us strength to live according to what your word says. And God, I thank you for our little babies and our children. I thank you for their parents and their grandparents. 
I thank you for this family, this church family so much. Help us all do everything we can to help our children and to help each other. And God, we pray that you would do what only you can do. And we'll give you the praise and the glory for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that God spoke to you through this message. If you enjoyed the message, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Be sure to join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you.